The Start. On Demand. On Demand. Today on The Start, we headed to Ukraine to once again speak with journalist Olga Rusina, with whom we spoke last week in a bomb shelter. And today, she says she's been going back and forth ever since. The provincial mandate for proof of vaccination is no more, but many businesses are going to stick with it. What are your thoughts? We spoke to Environment Canada's David Phillips to get a prognostication for the March weather. Speaking of snow, we spoke to the head of Winnipeg's Postal Workers Union about unplowed sidewalks. The RRSP deadline is midnight tonight as tax season is underway. And we had some fun talking about how I just said, I quit. That's it. I quit. We'll tell you which chore I was talking about. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, March 1st podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Of course, we have much to discuss on Ukraine. We're going to talk about the weather today. We'll get an update from David Phillips at 8.05 on what we can expect in March. We're going to talk taxes. The RSP deadline is midnight tonight. But uh, before we do anything, um, I just want to quickly check in here because I know, Loren, uh, you mentioned in our group chat... You're unhappy that it's Tuesday. I almost got Tuesday. I'm turning it into a uh, turning that into a thing. A verb. It's a verb. Yes. Like, like what happened? Well, I, uh, I mean, I, I, I've been trying to go to bed actually at a decent time because yeah. this this year's been hard, and I've been fine. I found myself staying up too late every day. Ten o'clock, ten thirty, eleven. I just can't turn off the news, or I'm on YouTube sifting through various videos, whether it's protests or COVID or now Ukraine. Um, but I've, I've made a concerted effort the last few days to get to bed at a decent time, went to bed at a decent time, and um, my first alarm went off, and I thought, eh, I'm going to snooze for 20 more minutes and wait for my second alarm. Second alarm goes off. That's at 3.10. And the next thing I know, it's 3.37, and I realized I didn't set my backup oh. alarms on my phone, so I just happened to wake up again. Oh, you got lucky, man. I did. Oh man, that's a, and that's and that's hard to recover from, like because it feels like your whole day now has been set by the fact that you didn't set your clock. And if you've missed that step, what else are you gonna miss today, man? Oh, <laughs> I'm stressing you out. You're stressing me out. I don't know. I can't decide. Yeah, I uh, I hate Tuesdays. Like I'm more tired on Tuesdays than I normally am Mondays. We've had this talk before. I, for the first time in my entire life, just drank a pop in the morning. Like I never do that, but I just feel. Like, I need a jolt of something, so I just had a weird ginger ale. Like, who has that ever, let alone <laughs> at 6 in the morning? I just want to 7 in the morning. It's not 7. Unless there's I mean, something accompanying the ginger no, ale, I, no, right? Would you like I, to tell I, us about no, that? Believe me. So, I, I, when I, back in, uh, when I was feeling ill in January, I had some friends drop this off because it's my old, old nausea cure, you know, when you're not feeling sick to your stomach. And so I around, I don't know, about, I want to say 5.30, I just thought, I, I am not awake still. Like, the coffee hasn't done it. I'm not talking. Like, I'm damn mumbling to myself in the basement. I need some sugar or something. And it's all I could find in the dark 
It's not. It's it has not done the trick. So we'll oh, see I don't what's know. Next. You sound like you're being fired out of a cannon right now. <laughs> listening to you, I, I think ginger it's ale in. in the morning is the or Al. I like to say ginger ale, like like it's his name, ginger like, ale, like Malk. Mm-hmm. When I didn't hear from Brett at four o'clock, I was thinking hmm. he usually gives us the update. I'm waiting for the the cab. I'm standing in the vestibule in my building. It's snowing. Uh, there's a puppy dog. Uh, but I didn't hear from him, so I actually said, are you up? I think it was 417. Yes. I can even hear <laughs> sort of the, the, the tone of your voice and your yes that you typed to me. So it's all good. We're all here. I think we're all ready for a day. It's been a trying, it's been a trying week, of course, for everyone in, in Ukraine. Uh, but, uh, you know, let, let's, have a, let's have a good morning. So in our next segment, we are going to hear from Global's Brittany Greenslade on Manitoban families trying to sift through the red tape to get their family safely to Canada. And a little bit more here on what we're doing at 8.05, Loren. We're going to check in with, my gosh, we're checking in with David Phillips. Yeah, well, there's so much going on today. So you mentioned we'll talk Ukraine in the next segment. We're also going to visit with someone in Kiev just after 7 to get their perspective because we've been hearing all sorts of things about that massive convoy of Russian tanks moving into uh, the capital city there. And then, of course, it is the first day of March. And weather has just run so much of our lives between COVID and and this uh, stress over what's happening in Ukraine and the fact you can't haven't been able to get out of your house. Like the last week has finally been kind of nice. So is this what March is going to look like for us? Or are we waiting for the hammer to fall again? Will we see more snow? Will we see more cold? What's what's coming? Because it's so I always love hitting March. It makes you feel like, yes, we're entering those spring months. But, you know, you know, <laughs> something be a coming. Well, that's the scary thing about March, right? Like, given all the snow we've had, March can right. be... Like, last year, March was great. The snow was gone by, I think, mid-March. But typically, March can either be a quiet month or it can be one of the worst months of the winter. So to imagine the potential, the possibility even, that March could <laughs> bring even more snow. And just looking at this long-term forecast, the two-week forecast, it's not awful, but it's clear that this snow is not going anywhere uh, beyond Mar- until uh, like March 15th. The forecast high, Greg, is minus 11. Are we getting above zero at all in the next two weeks? No, not even close. The highest oh, that I've got, uh, at least on the, the app I have open right now, is minus eight on Saturday. Of course, that's subject to change. It'll change a thousand times. Um, but it's not changing to a point where all of a sudden it's going to be plus two or plus three. I mean, uh, with the sun at the angle that it is yesterday in minus seven, minus eight, whatever it got up to as a high, the sun was beautiful. And on the main thoroughfares, you know, that the, any snow that was left it was turning into slush and kind of messy yesterday. And if you're diligent and been shoveling your driveway to the concrete, more or less, lots of bare driveways and, and even those shingles that uh, might have had two or three feet of snow uh, starting to see lots of bare roofs uh, already. So that mm. sun is warm, but, ah oh, man, I didn't realize there wasn't any, you know, plus temperatures in the long-term forecast. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of kind of frustrating, but, you know, it's maybe a good thing, right? Like, we don't want it to just suddenly be five degrees no. and, uh, and have the snow melting and making a good massive, point. massive mess. Because even on Saturday when I went for a drive, Loren, you know, it was a little bit warmer, and the streets were a disgusting mess. Oh, and you couldn't – I can't remember what street I was trying to pull over to yesterday. I think I was turning right onto Scarfield off Keniston, 
And like there's, I was merging onto it, and another vehicle's in the left lane. But then I, as I'm merging onto Skirfield, there is no right lane. Like the right lane, because the snow was melting a bit, had pulled, had just melted off the big snow pile, and the right lane was covered. Like there was no room. I was like, well, guy, here I come. Like, (laughs) (laughs) prepare yourself. Have you guys seen Sheldon's text message before we move on this morning? I have to read this. Ginger ale. Who even has that in their house? <laughs> Check the best before date, Loren. I'm sure your grandfather probably bought that Whoa! bottle in 1972, <laughs> and you just Come found on. it. People have that. It's like a home ready remedy, like a ginger ale and a saltine cracker. <laughs> yeah, lots of people enjoy ginger ale. Come yeah. on now. Sheldon coming hard this morning. I like it. You know what, Sheldon? I might go have another one just because of that. <laughs> Loren, I'm seeing on our text line, for those just tuning in, we opened the show and learned that Loren had a ginger ale this morning because she needed an extra boost. The coffee wasn't doing it. And uh, you took some heat from Greg well, Mackling. I, I, well, Greg, uh, Greg read a text from Sheldon who said, you know, basically, who has ginger ale in their home? Like, come on, man. Like, is this 1972 and your grandpa left it there? And uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Ray from Toulon, who's calving right now, has ginger ale with him. Joe, oh, it never leaves home without ginger ale. Tannis loves her ginger ale. Lorraine loves her ginger ale. Joanne loves her ginger ale. So I just, you know, thank you people for coming to my aid in this most crucial of moments. One, well, I just wanted to be clear. I was reading Sheldon's text. Yeah, I'm yeah, anti-ginger yeah. Anti-ginger ale. No, no. I if like I'm a, someone a who good... never puts shopping carts back, you're someone who hates ginger ale. It's just that's been decided. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I like a good Ryan ginger every once in a while. We don't keep ginger ale in the house all the time, but it is a go-to for us. And thank you for inspiring me to have uh, pop in the morning because uh, I'm uh, sipping on a fresca right now, and uh, I kind of like it. <laughs> fresca. Ah, it's finally March while we're turning the corner on winter. We know March can bring all sorts of surprises. Just after 8, we're going to visit with David Phillips, Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada, to find out what's coming. Yeah, I don't think I need to repeat what we've already had in these parts when it comes to all the snow and the cold temperatures. But the last few days have been decent and it's allowed many to get outside and play. If you head to Instagram, check out McNabb on CJOB. I posted a photo of Moose just really on the cusp of bolting from our yard because there's so much snow he can now see over the fence and it brings him a lot of joy. So even the pets are getting in on it. And Global's Merrick DeCash went to Fort Wayne to find out how everyone from people and their pets to wildlife are dealing with this. Piles of snow in and around the city are becoming useful once again as the weather slowly starts to warm up. We've had wet snow, heavy snow, too much snow. It is unbelievable. After spending what feels like an eternity indoors over the past month and waiting for the freezing cold temperatures to subside, Bretta Sutherland can finally watch her grandchildren enjoy the snow. I'm so glad that Nora has the day off today. She couldn't have picked a better day to be out. While the heavy snow causes frustration among those longing for spring weather, 
The white stuff is proving to be quite a challenge for animals at Fort White Alive. Animals like deer, for example, with long skinny legs, they do experience challenges in deep snow winters in getting to where they need to go, so they'll use a lot of energy, but they also can have challenges accessing food. Katrina Fraze has noticed a sharp increase in foot traffic on trails beginning over the weekend and has a reminder for folks. Knowing that it takes them a lot of energy to run through the snow, so if we are in a space where there's deer, being a little bit more quiet, walking more slowly, trying not to disturb them uh, as so that they jump up and run away. Surrounded by snow and wildlife southwest of the city, most families plan on continuing to soak up the relieving weather. And it's kind of our only chance to play out a lot lately with the cold weather. Merrick DeCash, Global News. So I feel bad that the deer are having a difficult time navigating the deep snow and maybe having a hard time finding food. But this is what we prayed for. This is what we asked for in the fall. Mother Nature has answered our prayers and our wishes. And so here we are with all this snow. And can you imagine the conversation and the discussion we'd be having right now if we'd had a similar snowfall this winter compared to last winter? If we were in that same boat, we would be dreading the spring and what would come. Uh, for our producers, for our farmers. And so, yeah, this is exactly what we asked for. I know a couple of different times I said I'd be happy to shovel snow all winter long. I haven't really shoveled it. I've just been coping with it because uh, I, I sort of gave up on the driveway weeks and weeks ago. But this is exactly what we wanted. And so I can't help but smile every time it snows. I know we hate dealing with it, but this is, like I said, this is exactly what we wanted, so many of us. So this is great, but... It's not great for everyone. The sheer volume has been frustrating for folks. I know there are people who are worried about uh, structures and the amount of snow on their roofs. And so people have been working to remove snow from uh, different, whether it's the roof on your house or your garage or, or maybe even your shed, get the, get the snow off of that. And can you imagine working outside? What if you are a letter carrier working door to door? How much time has this added to your workday this year and maybe also injuries? So we'll talk with the folks at the Canadian Union and Postal Workers later on this morning and find out how things have been. And if you're a postal worker, let us know how rough has the winter been. But sorry, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. Nothing to be sorry for. A lot of people love this. Johnny texting his pictures on his snowmobile all the time. He, uh, This has been probably a super fun year, I would imagine, Loren, for uh, any winter enthusiast, particularly those who like to get out on the snow machine. Yeah, and think of the years they've had. There's been all sorts of years. You know, we talk about the winter and, and laying down that snowpack for producers. But, of course, like we're a winter nation. We're a winter province and a winter city. And so we rely on having that snow around for all sorts of economic reasons. The snow maze at St. Adolph is huge again. Oh, Ski yes. heels are doing really well, right? And this, with the sense of at least having enough snow, you know, and, and people trying to get out there to enjoy that. So it's not just about... Uh, the economy of farmers, but so many businesses rely on this. They have to be loving it. And I found it kind of fun to be like <laughs> driving around. Every time I think I've seen the biggest pile of snow in a parking lot, I run into another. So it's kind of a game. We have two tickets to give away for Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show at Red River Exhibition Park. It's happening March 18th to the 20th. And we're asking you, have you ever thrown your hands up and said, I quit? Because I experienced this yesterday when I had my latest battle with the duvet cover. Uh, I use a, a duvet cover 
or I have a duvet with a cover and I use an undersheet as well. Um, so I wash the duvet, you know, from time to time. And every single time it is the most frustrating thing in the world. We've discussed this before. Um, but yesterday I finally said I quit. I couldn't get it right, couldn't figure it out, realized I'd had that duvet put in the wrong way, so I pulled the duvet out, and I just, I Hulk Hogan'd the duvet cover. I just tore it to shreds, <laughs> said, that's it, and I did what I should have done when I first got it, and just immediately thrown it in the trash and bought a comforter. So, have you ever quit something, whether it's maybe something in the household, maybe you threw away a useless household item, or maybe you quit a hobby, or maybe you quit, I don't know, like I once quit watching professional sports because I got tired of watching Michael Jordan win the NBA championship six times in a row. Uh, or maybe you quit a job because you said, I hate it, I'm out. 204-780-6868, tell us a story. Jeff Braun back in action after uh, missing yesterday because he was a busy, busy boy. Hello there, Jeff. Yeah. G'day, yeah. Uh, you know, um, musical instruments and... Quitting, not not necessarily by my volition, but by the teacher. I had a piano teacher tell me to quit piano. I had a band teacher tell me to quit the French horn, and a guitar teacher tell me he just couldn't help me anymore. The, the most of, the piano oh one was word. fine because I hated it. The guitar one was a bummer, but the the band that was the embarrassing one because uh, my, my my buddy Hebert and I both played French horn. We were two of the three French horn players in our grade ten band or whatever. And at the end of the year, the teacher came up to us. He's like, guys. Maybe you'd uh, be have more fun in the choir instead of the band. You know? <laughs> Did you join you the choir? Cut from yeah, the we, band. Yeah, we, we, we had to. You had to sort of be in one or the other to get the credit or whatever. So we took choir the next year. <laughs> that was it. I, Goodbye, French I, horn. I wonder what the numbers are for like grade six and seven bands. I th- I think people get kicked out of those at a rapid pace because they're just so horrible <laughs> on the instrument. It's like the band teacher from Whiplash. You know, don't ruin my band, Braun. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that made a, I might have practiced more if we had that teacher, <laughs> Mister Poitras. What about you? Well, you know, as a young man, you know, a younger lad or whatever you'd like to. Some may have described me as that. I'll tell you, when I would play video games, of course, I've completely outgrown this behavior. When I was having difficulties under certain portions or bosses or uh, just uh, games, if you will, uh, sometimes a younger me would get angry, throw controllers. <laughs> and so, and I, I, I'm quite a sophisticated man, if you have not heard. <laughs> I'm not very quick to anger anymore. I've, I've grown... I've grown. I guess you were technically younger last week, so. (laughs) (laughs) And I certainly, of course, would never have just rage quit this Tetris game that I got for my PlayStation 4 that I've got to the final level of that you have to do 90 lines and it starts you off slow and and okay and you can you can manage it. And then it like gives you a little bit of a reprieve just to give you some freaking hope. And then by the last 30 lines you have to do, it goes so freaking fast. You can't even do anything. You can't like you get a, a fourth of a second. It's already down at the bottom of the screen. You can't react in time. You blink and you're finished. But of course, I would never get angry or anything like that. I just put my controller down and I walk away. <laughs> but it's like BS. It's not even fair. Smashy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> smashy, smashy happening. You're right. Some some video games are impossible. I have uh, Ninja Gaiden on the Nintendo Entertainment System. I have never beaten it. I made it to the. There are two final bosses. I made it to the first of the final bosses one time, and I died in like three seconds, and I, I never played it again. Uh, what about you, Producer Sky? He pays for that game, by the way. So he paid to torture himself. 
which makes no sense. Okay. So I've had to come to terms with the fact that if my life relies on my own buoyancy, I'm, I'm done. Which is a way to say I don't know how to swim. Okay. Because, I mean, I decided that when the number of times you attempt to pass the level exceeds the level number, you're going to sink. You're not a floater. So when I was in level four five times, I said, you know what? I'm good. I will stay in landlocked areas. I'm good. Well, you've got basic swimming skills. Incorrect. <laughs> How'd you get through the first three levels? I don't know. Maybe I bribed the instructor. I don't know. It was the floating. I, I, I can't float. I need to almost see this now. Like I need to get you, just watch you try to float in a pool. It's even like, sketchy what in a tub. I don't know. That- I'm just done. <laughs> I just give up. I just say, what's the point of even trying? <laughs> uh, Mackling. I'm, I'm buying Sky a life preserver for her birthday, I've decided. Uh, I was speaking to one of our colleagues the other day. I, I will keep her name out of this. But we were talking about this and the fact that I went to Cubs. I went from made a move from Beavers to Cubs way back in the day. And I lasted exactly two times at Cubs. I, I just I just didn't want to do it any longer. And I think I got exactly one badge and that was for the move from Beavers to Cubs. <laughs> and of course the person on the other side of the phone has the record in her brownie troop for the most badges ever on her sash. And uh, she's promised me to dig up that sash just to rub it in a little bit because that's exactly what I need is to see uh, this uh, sense of accomplishment from somebody that I already look up to. But this is, uh, yes, uh, one of the uh, sad moments of my life is I gave up on on Cub Scouts. <laughs> you never got to do the I didn't Cub have car. one. I didn't, the badge didn't even make it get sewn onto the shirt. I just <laughs> You needed what I had, which was your dad to be the leader of the troop, and oh, then he would just no. go to the store and buy badges and give them out so we wouldn't look so tad- terrible when we'd go to these jamborees <laughs> with the other troops. How many did you actually <laughs> you guys, earn, Bron? You need more on your sashes. Here's some more badges. Come on. we got to look better. <laughs> Except for then you're like the guy at a campfire or something. Well, Jeff can start this fire. No, I can't. What's that badge for? <laughs> I just got it given to me. <laughs> okay, hey, well, George, get... don't you have the marine biologist badge? <laughs> yes, I do. There have been many sleepless nights for the people of Ukraine as attacks from Russia intensify. Yeah, we know air raid sirens have been sounding on and off for days now in many Ukrainian communities and towns and cities. And and when that happens, thousands make that run then to the bomb shelter or maybe they're already been spending the night there. The last time we visited with our next guest, she too was seeking shelter after an air raid siren went off. We are joined again this morning by Olga Rusina, a journalist with Robatska Radio. Good morning, Olga. Good morning. Could you tell us where you are and what you've been seeing and, and hearing over the past few hours? Uh, for the past few, few hours, I was in the mob shelter and in my flight again, and then again in the mob shelter. It looked like um every hour or couple of hours we hear alerts so we have to go to the bob shelter i live on the 20th floor so we just go up and down up and down 
And where I'm, when I'm in, at home in my flat, I try to work remotely because our radio station is still working, but we are not able to go to, the, to our newsroom, which is in the city centre, so we are working from our homes. And some of our journalists had to leave Kiev. I'm staying in Kiev uh, all the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, the last night was uh, maybe it was one of the hardest nights, but we had rocket strikes again uh, to move a day before because when, when, when those, you know, talks because between Ukrainian and Russian officials uh, uh, fin- was finished. Uh, it was like half an hour, and uh, rocket strikes started again. And also, very difficult situation uh, was in Kharkiv today morning because um, uh, Russians used uh, this grad um, south in Kharkiv, and so far, seven people killed, and uh, over uh, over twenty people are injured. So, and it is we we may. Uh, find out that more people are killed because because uh, they're working there now to uh, to find um, people who are injured there. So it, I don't know. It sounds like it, it's been like this for uh, for a couple of days. Olga, are you staying in Kiev because of your job? Would you otherwise have left? Would you otherwise have have made your way? Uh, to maybe to mm-hmm. Poland or one of the other countries that are accepting Ukrainians mm-hmm. right now? Uh, you know, there are several reasons for me. Uh, first of all, because of my job, because I'm a journalist and I need to to see what happens, how to tell people about this. And uh, also my family is still there and uh, my friends, are in the territorial defense forces in Kiev, and I just can't just leave them, you know, and go to Poland and just be safe. Um, because um, I don't know, I just feel like I have to, I have to, to be there, and I have to experience this, and I have to do all I can to, you know, <laughs> to defend my country. I know that maybe it can, it, it, maybe it sounds like you know very uh i don't know because you know I, i'm not in the army so i'm not defending uh the country myself maybe like people in army do but i think that it is important now for everyone to just to to do what everyone can do you know because for example i'm a journalist so i'm trying to uh, to work on at Merida Station and also to tell people all over the world, for example, you what is happening. And uh, in meanwhile, I'm trying to uh, help help also our territorial defense forces because I know that uh, if I'm staying in bed for a couple of nights, for a couple of hours in, in the night, it's because of them because they are also defending myself. So I think uh, it is the way to uh, the way to a victory. <laughs> I hope it will be soon. When you do have to go down to the bomb shelter, because you say you've had to go back and forth, back and forth, um, what is your the supply situation like? Do you have enough supplies in those bomb shelters? Uh, you know, so far, yes. You mean uh, in the bomb shelters? You mean what kind of supply? Like uh, I don't know, equipment or. Just like your food, for example. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have food. Uh, 
yesterday actually I was in the shop uh, and uh, we have enough food so far, but uh, situation uh, we, we have all the, uh, all, uh, already been told that situation with food supplies uh, may be uh, a little more difficult uh, tomorrow or the day after tomorrow because you know all the logistic uh, to um, in the uh, shops uh, is uh, actually is destroyed because for example we can um, some shops can have uh, food which uh, which is uh, near the key but they uh, just uh, they aren't able to get those food and to just uh, carry it to the shop which is near my house so uh, as far uh, as it seems to have enough food but uh, we are ready that uh, uh, it it can become more difficult uh, and we have enough water uh, what else <laughs> and Olga, uh, most I, I important just... we have internet connection <laughs> Yes, I was going to say that information for your job to get info out is important. Also yeah, to get yeah. the information in for people to be able to connect their loved ones. Yeah. We have less than a minute here. I just yeah, wanted to please. ask, we've been talking a lot about, and people all over the world are remarking of the resiliency of you and your people and your country. But this is, you know, five, six days into this. What's the mood right now from everybody as you face another day of an onslaught from a Rush- this Russian invasion? Uh you asking about the mood of the people? Like the mood the of the people, yes. The mood of the people. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, uh, in my opinion, we are rather positive because um, President Zelensky signed uh, this, um, uh, I don't know how to, how do you call it, this document about Ukraine joining the EU. Uh, and uh, it has been voted in the uh, in Parliament of the European Union today, and actually, you know, uh, it's kind of a event. I I would never think of it like even a month ago that this would would happen. Actually, and this is happening. And also, we are positive because, for example, um, USA officials told that uh, Russia, Russian people, Russian people. Uh, didn't expect such, uh, you know, such uh, resilience from Ukrainian people, and uh, their plans are being destroyed in some ways. So it's difficult, but I would say that people, people are waiting for a victory, and people are the positive because also a lot of uh, of good events are happening around us. Olga Rusina, journalist with Romatska Radio, joining us live from Ukraine. Thank you very much, Olga. Godspeed. Thank you, too. Thank you, too. Have you ever just thrown your hands up and said, I quit, like I did yesterday with my duvet cover? I tore it to shreds in a fit of rage. Brett smash. Can't stand the duvet cover. I hate it. And uh, we didn't have time for Lorenz. I quit story. Do you have one? I was telling you guys, I think it was when we last interviewed Toad Hall Toys just before Christmas to talk to them about, you know, what they were seeing this year. And I had a year ago, the Christmas, the first Christmas of the pandemic, bought a bunch of those puzzles that you can like, you know, you try to take them apart like they're welded together, it looks like. And, all you know, it's just two twists and you can just, it's easy. It's no big deal. And everyone's just taking these things apart like easy peasy and i could not figure it out i even youtubed how to do it and still didn't do it right and so i discovered this thing like so this is a year ago and you know they they, they get end up in boxes or little corners of the 
basement or whatever, and I, <laughs> I found it not too long ago and just looked at it and walked right to the garbage and chucked it. I was like, yep. Yeah. Well, I swore at it. Get out of here. <laughs> it just made me feel stupid every day looking at it. So the kids ever ask where that is. Landfill, baby. Landfill. Toad Hall, they have so many wonderful little puzzles like that, those little brain teaser puzzles. Yes. Mackling, have you ever tried one of those? I, I I find them very frustrating, but also satisfying when you actually have that eureka moment. Yeah, well, I can't solve them either, and they frustrate me beyond words. So, yes, I don't have any in my home, fortunately, but uh, we do have friends who have them lying around, and I gravitate towards them and then quickly realize that, uh, I'm why am I doing this to myself? Things. Is yes. what I'm wondering. Like, why? You teach yourself problem solving and resiliency. No, I get it. Blah blah blah. <laughs> That's what it says on the box. That could go in the garbage too. Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at Cooperators.ca. A better place for you. Last night, it was. A two-hour radio extravaganza as Christian O'Mell hosted the Blue Bomber Winter Special, an opportunity to catch up with some of the key members of the Blue Bomber organization. So, of course, that involved the players, the coach, the general manager, and they're all really looking at the plan, Greg, to get Winnipeg back to the Grey Cup and win it for the third straight time. Yeah, of course, that road began with securing as many of their own free agents as was possible. Here is general manager Kyle Walters. I knew there was going to be a much more turnover uh, after this season and, and accepted that. And, you know, and it, it just just the way it is when when you're winning and you've got good players and we lost some players to the NFL and uh, other teams come in and, and, and want to want to grab your players. And it's just it's just part of uh, part of the deal. And um, you know, you'd rather you'd rather have that having teams want your players than nobody wanting your players. The Bombers, of course, lost two key members of the receiving core over the offseason through free agency. They added a key piece as well. Zach Caleros talks about Greg Ellingson. I think Greg's resume really speaks for itself. You know, he he obviously has caught a lot of footballs in his league, scored a lot of touchdowns, been been in a, a lot of really big games at big moments. Uh, I, I think he's a physical player, so I think he'll fit right into what we do offensively and, and be able to stretch the field as well. Uh, you know, I think the thing that really stands out about him too is his, his IQ of uh, not just understanding what they're doing conceptually, you know, everywhere he's been, but also you know, big moments in games and, and situational uh, moments in, in the football game. He he always seems to know, um, you know, what to do, how to run the route, and you know. It, just what what to do in that moment and uh i think he'll be great for the room i think you know guys will gravitate to him and uh you know i think it'll be great for us let's hear from ellingson himself i think the main thing that stuck out with uh, winnipeg is you know how, how they run their organization you know uh, there's definitely admiration and uh, a desire to be there with you know how, how they run and, and the talk from the players that i know that i've played there and the coaches and you know, I've been in contact with uh, O'Shea before and during free agency and had almost went there before. And, uh, you know, this time they just, you know, r- really showed me, you know, how much they wanted me there and, and how they wanted to bring me in and, and what, what they had for a vision for me to be there and how it fit in their system. And, I mean, that's really what it came down to is just, you know, uh, the want and the need to have me there. And uh, that really what swayed me from going anywhere else. Nick Dembski, a key cog in the Blue Bomber offense, of course. Born and bred Winnipeggers doing his best to teach, coach, and inspire the next generation of Winnipeg football players. It's pretty cool, man. I mean, you know, I, I started that program 
kind of when Recruit Ready was just first starting up. So, I mean, just to kind of give them the message that, you know, I started right, right where they were in high school, you know, early mornings in the golf dome. So, you know, anything's possible. You can go up there and win the Grey Cup and, and bring it back and, uh, you know, just keep the generation on, on rotate. Brady Oliveira, running back, looking to replace the legendary Andrew Harris, who has moved on to the Toronto Argonauts, says he's ready to compete for that job. I definitely do not want to leave. I mean, there's other teams offering, and uh, I just couldn't see myself playing elsewhere. I mean, you look back when I got drafted to Winnipeg, I mean, you know, they're the, they're the first team that has believed in me and, and given me the opportunity to play professional football and obviously playing professional football in the city that I'm from. And, and that right there is just super special for me. I mean, growing up in Winnipeg and going to bomber games when I was a kid and, um, so it just means that much more to me. And, and when I when I work out and get ready for each and every season um, and every game and everything that I do, it just it means a lot to me. I just uh, have so many great supporters and fans in this great city of Winnipeg that I just couldn't leave. Absolutely, I'm going to go into training camp prepared and, and ready to uh, earn that spot. Um, you know, I'm right where I belong, and I just want to, you know, make everyone proud, make my teammates proud. But I, I'm super, super excited. You may have seen a story recently about R.B. Russell student Dallas Smith and the incredible metal fire pit he created in honor of Adam Big Hill. Let's hear from Big Hill. Uh, Dallas is actually in the Bomber Skills uh, camp that we do uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays up in, um, at uh, the Soccer North Complex up on Lila. And, um, you know, so he's a, he's a great kid. Um, you know, he, I'll hook him up with some tickets. I'll, I'll get him a jersey as well and, and take care of him for sure. But, uh, yeah, incredible work. And, you know, it sparked um, a lot of interest from across uh, Canada and, you know, his, his talent. So, you know, who, who knows what might be ahead of him with uh, his work. And I've had a few people actually reach out saying that, uh, shoot, they would hire him. So, um, you know, it's just a credit to him. So back-to-back Grey Cup championships for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, obviously looking to three-peat. Let's hear from the head coach and what he thinks the chances are of hoisting yet another Grey Cup in Winnipeg. Our team was recognized as having a lot of talent, and we do have a lot of talent. And better than that is we've got a lot of character guys that are gonna not going to rest on, on their talent. You know, they're going to work hard to be better, and they're going to do extra stuff, and they're going to try and be better than they were the year before at, at, you know, at whatever their weaknesses were identified as. And, you know, in my mind, we should come back better. Like I said, because of the character of the guys we have, they will be doing the work to become a better individual football player. And then, you know, they are the concept of team and what it takes to win championships. So I'm looking forward to it because I will be able to field uh, a damn good football team again. Two hours of radio and five minutes, 26 seconds, Brett McGarry. If you want to hear the entire winter special, go to the audio vault at cjob.com. It began just after Global News at 7 o'clock. And on the subject of quitting things, Loren, this made me laugh from Crystal. Crystal says, bootlaces. I got a knot for the like hundredth time. So I finally just took a pair of scissors and cut the laces out of my boots. And with every snip snip, I felt this satisfaction and power of winning over the boots. And now I wear pull on mucklucks.
Where did the knots, like I get that you tie them over and over again, but sometimes laces can be like the Christmas lights that when you try to unfurl them every year, you wonder how did they crawl around in the box and make a knot by themselves? Like what happened here? Yeah. And oddly enough with the knots, if I get a a knot on my shoes or boots and I can't uh, figure them out, uh, any other task, I would just smash everything. But then I I find that kind of almost relaxing. Good, good, good. I was going to say figure it out. Compared to those puzzles, I would take a knot in a lace or in the Christmas lights any day of the week. So I'm glad we're on the same page with that, Brett. In my hand, as I tap this on the table, no, I'm not tapping to say that we're running out of time. We got five minutes here. Uh I have a uh, COVID-19 vaccination card, an immunization record for one Brett McGarry from the province of Manitoba that, uh, depending on where I go, Loren, I may or may not need it anymore. Yeah, so businesses and organizations we know can still choose to ask you for that card. We talked about the Jets and the WSO yesterday. There might be some restaurants or gyms who keep it in place, or maybe there's a lot of businesses that are saying today, no, we're done asking Manitobans for that card. And of course, keeping in mind that just because the passport mandate is lifting today, masks mandate lifting on March 15th, there are still places you you will need it, like travel if you're going to travel you still need to show that uh vaccine card and it's not clear if that's going to change anytime in the the near future if you're a federal employee you still have to have the the vaccine and and of course there's different areas where that rule might be in place and i'm curious this morning with private businesses i know there were some businesses over the years that also put in that ask of their employees to get the vaccine or be tested or maybe just get the vaccine and and i'm curious if there's any listeners out there that have had their business change that policy in recent weeks given the change in the government's policy let us know 780-6868 because yes this was a provincial government mandate that was put in place you know i'm trying to think was it last spring right maybe into the summer that the 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 cards started rolling out guys and so it's ending today but there might be places that still want you to have it and there might be businesses that are asking their employees to to prove their vaccination status as well greg yeah, we had a, a text message from one of our listeners. We'll, we'll kind of keep it general in terms of the information that was shared, but uh, one of their relatives uh, remains unvaccinated and just got notification that uh, you've now been suspended without pay. You will not be welcome back until you prove your vaccination. So even though we are shifting gears here in terms of uh, public places and, and, and entering restaurants and other uh, things, that doesn't mean the the requirement for vaccination has necessarily gone away at uh, any organizations or businesses. Maybe it has. We'd like to know if it has for you, if something has changed, 204-780-6868. We want to keep our fingers on the pulse of this. And maybe you went out for breakfast this morning where you asked for the Vax Pass at a restaurant, or perhaps it's the first time you haven't had to show it in a while, or maybe you're unvaccinated. What was it like to get back? into a restaurant. Lots of different uh, views, lots of different angles on this conversation, Brett. And we've heard uh, from a number of people in recent days who are saying, look, I'm vaccinated. And if I go to a business and they 
continue to enforce the vaccine passport, then I will boycott said business. If I go to a business after March 15th and they continue to enforce the mask mandate, I will boycott said business. People saying, look, I'm pro-vaccination and I have supported the mandates, but now that the mandates are done, then uh, why are you carrying on? Because that's one of the, the complicated Elements of this, Loren, is that we, you know, we for two years we've been speaking to experts, people like Cynthia Carr, epidemiologist, or people like Raywat Dionandan, who have said we need to listen to our medical experts and listen to our provincial leaders and trust their message. And they're now delivering the message that you don't need to enforce the vaccine passport anymore. You don't need to wear a mask anymore. I know that messaging has changed to it's still encouraged to wear a mask, sure. but uh, when they were saying. When they're saying this, uh, and then a business is saying, ah, you know what, we're going to keep doing this, I can understand why there would be some, some, at the very least, frustration. Yeah, and I think that's because, you know, the line has been to follow the science, and the province says it's following the science, and so therefore it's easing some of these mandates, and, and that's why. And so if that's the case, and we trusted it a year ago, then we should trust it now. That said, I think businesses might be doing it for a lot of reasons. It might be just a comfort level, just how they're feeling, how their staff members feel, how their patrons have told them, you know, this is what we're thinking and feeling right now. And so therefore, they're going with a comfort level, which is, is which is which might be a different way to look at it. And I, I was thinking I had a relative in hospital recently. And as you're paying a visit and the masks are all on, to me, there are just still places where that might make sense going forward, COVID or not. Like it kind of, you know, if you're going to a personal care home or a long-term care facility and you're mingling with all sorts of different vulnerable people, there, there might be a conversation going down the road about where masks can be applicable for all sorts of things. Or maybe not. Maybe you're just ready to rip it off and see those smiles. Now the question is, you might, while you might be done with the Vax card, are you done with winter? Or are you, like Johnny and his family on their snow machines, begging for more? Yeah, there might be people who are for sure done with shoveling or you're done with the coal, maybe the mess of the streets or the sidewalks, as you mentioned. We're going to get more into that after the nine. But as we talked about at 630, there's a huge chunk of the province that might be loving the winter, you know, for the snowmobilers, the skiers, the cross-country skiing. And of course, for our parched prairies, as you referenced, Greg, the snow is crucial for that snowpack. 100%. But uh, guess what? There's always a but. As one of our listeners pointed out, March is coming in like a lamb. How's that old saying go? Oh, yeah, something about going out like a lion. David Phillips is Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada joins us now. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, guys. Nice to be with you. I, you know, I don't believe that really ditty. I mean, I think it, it maybe worked in Scotland or somewhere else, but it doesn't always work from here. I've seen as many, many uh, uh, marches roar in and roar out, but, um, but I think it's more like a frozen mutton today. My gosh, it yeah. seems a, a little cold for, for me, but... Uh, Hey, I mean, you guys, you know, I tell you, need the gold medal because, you know, January, February, you talk about all the people who've loved this kind of, of winter, the snow and that, and boy, that's really how you deal with winter in uh, on the prairies is you embrace it. You find those things you enjoy, and uh, but boy, it has really been, um, uh, really, there's no difference between January and February. They were both the same in terms of, of how cold they were. So each had the same number of days below minus 30, the same amount of 
of, of almost the amount of snow that they normally get. You know, and I think it puts to rest this this winter that old ditty about is it ever too cold to snow? Not. And and just look at Winnipeg. My gosh, you had the uh, uh, the coldest February in 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 forty three years, and you also had the one of the snowiest on record. I mean, come on, the two don't work together. There's always moisture in the air, and every little little uh, bit of moisture that came through must have fallen as snow because you ended up with almost 50 centimeters of snow. Hey, they're sitting on the suburbs in Winnipeg about 59 centimeters of snow. And guys, you know, you got to get rid of that snow. And you don't want to go from slush to sweat. People who want the winter to be over and summer to arrive, no, no, no. You want a decent kind of spring to kind of ease it out. That transition season, the mud season, the so-called flood season, we don't want that. But 59 centimeters of snow is still sitting in the ground. And you know, you can't put away the snow shovel yet. You know, from March 1st on, you still get about 25% of your annual snowfall. So people who love the snow, the white stuff, hey, it's not over yet. Uh, uh, You still have March and April, and my gosh, I've seen it in May, too. Now, the we, one of our listeners is asking if this extremely snowy winter could be a turning point for uh, for more normal precipitation and not more oh. drought. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think you know, it, it, it's one year does not a uh, uh, or even a season does not a uh, end uh, end the drought. I mean, we're seeing with just back to back to back kind of dry years. But my gosh, I look at the amount of snow that you've got, and that's really what you get in wintertime. The precipitation is is really snow, almost double what you normally would get. The the moisture levels are higher. That's good news. I mean, farmers are really got smiles from from ear to ear. I I mean, this is really, this is like gold for them. And so my sense is they're much better shape going into the growing season this year than they were last year and the year before. So, hey, uh, what what people are complaining about in terms of snow, if they are, it really is good for the economy. This is, this is really a good news. But, hey, we got to get rid of it. And, you know, when I look at March, you know, I mean, I think you've got to be patient. It's not as if it's winter is going to go away, um, but it's going to ease uh, ease out. It's going to be transition. I see this not not two months of hoary cold conditions, but kind of a week of cold and, and then mild and then back to cold and kind of ease it out. And that kind of maple syrup weather is exactly what you need to get rid of all that excess snow sitting on the ground. To get it, and, and the ground is still frozen, so you don't want it to um, uh, to melt all of a sudden. You want it to kind of ease out. And, and I think that nature is going to bring you that march. I mean, as they say, uh, it's not going to be um, balmy. It's going to be what I call seasonable. And you know, guys, March, when I talk about above normal in March, it's about seven or eight degrees warmer than it would be in February. So we already know that days are getting longer by three minutes a day. The sun's a little higher in the sky. So you can feel that warmth on your skin when you're walking along uh, Portage Avenue, and you just feel it in in March, where you can't sort of in January or or even February. So I think things are looking up, but um, hey, it's, it's I think patience and um, you know and and just uh, changeable weather is is what I think is coming your way. He's selling the uh, March weather over February, like Greg's trying to sell the RSPs. We appreciate this, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'm doing a good job, but hey, I think I'll hey, bet warmer my money days on, are longer. We'll weather. take it. Yes. David Phillips, senior climatologist with Environment Canada, joining us live on the start. David, thank you for this. It's a pleasure as always. Oh, thank you guys. Bye bye now. 
Before tonight's game, Loren, something very special. Yeah, so we're going to play some audio right now. And, of course, when the Hoosley Choir, this is the Ukrainian male chorus choir Hoosley in Winnipeg, first sang at the Winnipeg Jets game a few years ago, there was already such a feeling of pride in the audience when they sang the Canadian anthem. How they're going to be feeling tonight when they do both. Uh, the Jets confirming last night just around the supper hour that Hoosley will be singing both the Canadian and Ukrainian national anthems tonight. And so Chris Skelpovich is part of this 35-man team and he says it will no doubt be the most emotional performance of their lives. It's only you know a minute and 10 seconds long, but what we're probably going to feel as we walk out onto the ice, hear the audience response, and then, and then be able to sing. Uh, it's just something that uh, is going to be a really, really uh, memorable experience for us. I've got chills up and down my spine just hearing that audio. I've been in the building Mm -hmm. a number of times when they have sang the national anthem. It is emotional. It's powerful. The Jets tend to win on nights when Hoosley uh, performs, but I think that might be uh, one of the last things on people's minds, in particular during the national anthems tonight. It, it will be absolutely wonderful. And uh, Skelpovich says uh, his group is also planning some fundraising concerts in an effort to continue the sport support rather for Ukraine against what he says is a senseless war. And uh, Chris, I think uh, almost all of us agree with you on that. And we will absolutely let you know when you might be able to see Hoosley uh, in a larger, uh, longer concert situation as they uh, do their best to, to raise some funds for Ukraine. We're asking you, have you ever just quit? That's it. I quit. I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. I hate it. What does Dan have to say, Greg? I took guitar lessons when I was 10 and quit when my best friend moved to Thompson. My new friends at 16 wanted to get a band together. Lessons again and on stage touring Manitoba with the Franco Manitoban Cultural Center. Never quit playing again. I've written quite a few songs within the last 11 years and hope to record sometime soon. So it was the quit-unquit scenario for Dan. So thanks for sharing that with us. Right on, buddy. So keep those texts coming, and we'll pick a winner in our next segment. But right now, as we begin March, we heard from David Phillips from Environment Canada. He told us there are upwards of two feet of snow cover in parts of Winnipeg, never mind some of the snow banks that are three or four times that height. Yeah, and, uh, you know, many of us have given up on the perfect driveway or sidewalk some time ago, Brett. Uh, We collect in my house our mail at a community mailbox and haven't ordered anything online for some time at our house. So that hasn't been a big deal. However, I did get a friendly reminder from a guest we had at our house the other day who didn't appreciate the fact we were more or less throwing in the snow-clearing towel at our home. So I pledge to do better if you're listening this morning. And uh, this reminder, Loren, got me thinking about letter carriers. Yeah, they've they've been uh, traversing those unplowed sidewalks and streets that have really been a big part of the story for winter 2021, 20, 22. The, the idea that they're unplowed in some extent. The snow might be making the job difficult for a whole host of people, including our postal workers. Matthew Aiken is the president of the Canadian Union of Postal Workers, the Winnipeg Local, and joins us now. Good morning, Matthew. 
Yeah, good morning. So uh, walk us through the walk that some of your mail carriers are seeing when they try to get parcels and letters to the door. Oh, I mean, it's just it's a real roller coaster out there, right? It's a, just the record-setting snowfall. Uh, I think anomalies like that are always going to bring about extreme situations uh, and experiences. So when I talk to letter carriers about what the sidewalks are like out there, they laugh. Uh, one told me it's like walking on the beach, uh, which is fine when you're going to go plunk down and catch some sun, but not when you have to keep walking for, you know, another six hours. Um, and then last week, uh, a carrier was laughing uh, as he was telling me about the grader going down the bay he was working in. And it's, now it's leaving a shoulder high mountain of packed snow and ice bricks for him to climb over uh, in every single driveway before he gets back to his vehicle. Right. It's it's unprecedented and it's the real world. It's uh, funny things happen to you out there. Letter carrying is just one of those jobs where you have to be prepared for anything. I noticed even on Osborne uh, where they've done a pretty good job for this winter. To, I mean, sometimes it takes a couple of days to get the sidewalk plows out, but uh, for the most part, it's been good. But even just uh, heading southbound on Osborne towards River Avenue, um, the snow that had been plowed from the street and the big chunks of ice and whatnot had been pushed so far into the sidewalk that even on Osborne, you're having to crawl over things and uh, either that or just sort of cut through narrow pathways in the snow. So if we're seeing that on major routes, um, are residential routes getting even touched? Well, I mean, yeah, our letter carriers, yeah, our letter carriers would certainly be able to tell you which streets, uh, which streets are plowed on their route and not, or, or, or haven't, uh, the city hasn't gone down those streets yet. And I mean, of course, homeowners do a, um, you know, homeowner, some homeowners aren't able to shovel their, um, their walk and some, you know, yeah, they take that Winnipeg pride of having that good cut through the window to the, to the street, or they, you know, they want to have it right down to the pavement all winter. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think you can see a variety of situations out there, but you're totally right. I mean, you get these little paths that people go through and, um, it gets us worrying about, you know, I actually, you know, the letter carriers, they'll, they'll traverse stuff where they, and they won't go there if it's not safe, if they think they're going to get injured. But we also think about people with disabilities or mobility issues as well. Right. You know, I, I wonder sometimes how some Winnipeggers get around because it has been a bit of a gnarly year for all that stuff. Right. And I noticed, yeah, on Osborne, uh, I was doing some walking down Osborne yesterday. Yeah, there's a few businesses that have it right down to the pavement, but um, not not every single one. But uh, yeah, what do you do? I mean, it's a cra- it's a bit of a crazy year, right? So I think we kind of got to take it in stride a bit too. Matthew, it's interesting you mentioned people with uh, with you know, mobility issues. We just had a text message here, complete with a picture. My wife is stuck in the house as she walks with two elbow crutches. She can't go anywhere. Funny thing. Yeah. is they missed just in front of our house and the rest of the street has been cleared. This individual's complained to the counselor and as well as the mayor. Is this something that you guys get involved with in terms of lobbying the city to, to do better? Well, you know, I mean, the Canadian Union of Postal Workers is a, you know, we have a really national scope. And um, through our program, Delivering Community Power, uh, you know, the union has a lot of uh, a lot of good ideas about expanding Canada's public postal service uh, into into um, just into a variety of services that Canadians could use that, uh, you know, that would benefit them greatly. 
I got to be honest with you. I started with the post office working in Vancouver and working uh, inside, right? So uh, my involvement and my uh, and my, my knowledge of the situation has expanded over the years. And now I kind of think, geez, maybe snow clearing, individual snow clearing, if the city's not going to do it or something <laughs> like that, you know, could go to you know as part of our delivering community power. What delivering community power wants is for people to be able to um, you know access local services. Um, have better services for them in their communities, like on the street, right? Um, you know, there's certain programs that work in other places in the world. Like, for example, in Japan, they do senior check-ins, right? So if you're a, if you're a senior citizen, maybe you live somewhere like Kelowna, a nice retirement community, but all your family lives back east somewhere. You know, you have the letter carrier come in, check in on you, have a cup of tea, whatever. To, and for real, that's what it is, like, because that's an, that's an important thing for people to have that communicate, you know, that human connection. Uh, I don't know. Since moving to Winnipeg, I've kind of thought maybe a little bit of snow clearing we could put in there, too. I don't know how that would work. But, uh, you know, it's an idea anyway. So, yeah, but, yeah, delivering community power, it's, it's, uh, I think it's an, important, uh, it's an important thing for the, you know, for all Canadians to know about. I- I laugh there, Matthew, but I think there's Canadians, not about the community power section, just the snow clearing idea, but there might be some yeah. Manitobans that take you up on that offer. <laughs> Listen, we thank you for your time and uh, good luck to anyone trying to get down some sidewalks today. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for the thanks for the opportunity to chat. Hey, you all have a good day. Matthew Aitken, president of Cup W, Winnipeg Local in Winnipeg, joining us live on 680 CJOB. President of Cup W Winnipeg Local in Winnipeg. That's from the office of uh, the Redundancy Office of Redundancy, uh, chaired by Brett McGarry. We are asking you if you've ever just quit. That's it. I quit. I hate it. I'm not doing this anymore. Like when I destroyed my duvet cover yesterday, I just tore it to shreds. I don't care about your stupid burrito roll or California roll or whatever you call it. I'm not trying any more tricks. It's garbage. It's in the garbage. So (laughs) we're asking you about two tickets for Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show at Red River Exhibition Park. And uh, Loren, why don't you start us off with Tannis as one of our runners-up? Okay, so Tana says, I had just worked a 13-hour day. We got a real Christmas tree that year. I walk in the door. It fell over. I spent over an hour trying to get it to stand up. Got so frustrated, I dragged it outside. I was done. My husband got home, saw the tree on the deck. His thought, Christmas was over. We have never had a real tree since. (laughs) Totally relate to this. That's some serious anger for the tree. I can completely relate to this because we loved the real Christmas tree, my mom especially, but the task fell upon my dad to put it up, and it was always a pain to get it mounted, and then he had to anchor it to the wall, and then he had to deal with cleaning up all the needles that fell off, and had to deal with keeping the tree watered, and one year he finally just said, that's it! I'm not dealing with the real tree. You want a real tree? You get you deal with it. And the next year we had a fake tree. There's a smash gourd and a smash Brett smash, right? That's right. I may have inherited it from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, GMAC, why don't you read uh, Loren's text as our other runner-up? All right. I was in grade six and wanted to play a musical instrument. My mother picked the violin and sent me to lessons. When it came to practicing, it wasn't going very smoothly. It was a constant battle with my mother. So one practice, I whacked her (laughs) over the head with the violin. That was the end of that musical instrument. Yes, it was. Oh, my. Get this. The following weekend, my mother brought home a drum set. Oh. <laughs> and I took to that much better. Um, uh-huh. Just as long as you weren't doing the Keith Moon thing and tipping them over and smashing them every time you, you celebrated the end of a concert or something. I'm sure it went okay, Loren. 
Jerome is our winner, and we loved the spite in this and the scheming. <laughs> Jerome says, when I was a teenager, I loved to play board games, chess in particular. My mom got me a beautiful hand-carved wood chess set for Christmas, and over the next few years, I played chess with anyone who would play. I got pretty good and could hold my own in most games. My best friend, who I've played everything with over the years, all of a sudden goes on a run, beats me at chess some 20-plus games in a row. Not the greatest loser. I plotted my revenge. We were together having a couple of drinks, so I made sure he got well ahead of me on the drink count. And then I pulled out the chessboard. Not having his usual level of concentration, I beat him and I put the game away and have not played in like 35 years. LOL. Jerome, good for you. I have a buddy who always challenges me to chess, but always at 2 a.m. when we've had too many, and he mops the floor with me every time, and I end up flipping the board. So, way to go, Jerome! I like like your spite. Congratulations. You went out on a high note. Tonight at midnight, it is the deadline for contributing to your RRSP. I play that music because anytime I talk about financial stuff, my head kind of explodes. So that's why we turn to experts, Greg, to help us out. Yeah, and that's that's not me, to be clear. The RRSP deadline means tax season is here. You files national tax specialist is Jerry Vitoratos. And Vito Ratos, sorry uh, there, Jerry. I apologize. I had it spelled out for me and everything. Uh, thank you for joining us for, uh, for this conversation this morning. How do, let's just jump right into this, RRSPs, how do they reduce our income tax burden? Jerry. Um, uh, but essentially the way they reduce it is by reducing the income you get taxed on. So let, let's take like a simple example, right? Let's say you made about uh, $50,000 in the year, okay, by, and you contribute 5000 to your RSP. So ordinarily you'd be taxed on $50,000 of your income. By contributing to your RSP, you will be taxed on, in my example, you'll be taxed at $45,000 uh, of income because your 5000 is deducted from the income uh, that, you will be, you know, that you will be paying tax on. There's lots of advice that comes from different folks this time of year, Jerry, and sometimes it's that you should always max out your contributions, and, and then one of our listeners says they only look at their income tax bracket and see where they're sitting and then contribute the, the amount that might help them out in the income tax equation. So is there a right or wrong way to look at the numbers that are coming in and out of your bank account? Well, I mean, you know, I, I keep saying this cheesy joke all the time when it comes to taxes. The answer to all, to all these questions, whether and when it relates to taxes, is it depends. That's always the first answer to any one of these questions. It depends on your tax situation. You know, the higher the bracket that you're in, uh, the more it pays, obviously, to put in your RSP and then try to bump yourself to a lower bracket. Now, the lower your income, let's say, for example, you're in the first tax bracket, then there's a bit of a competition for your, for your savings between the TFSA uh, and the RSP. Uh, so again, you know, the higher the income, you know, once you start hitting the the, the twenty and a half percent tax bracket, the twenty six percent tax bracket, RSPs are a no brainer because essentially you're getting practically, you know, uh, forty cents, fifty cents back for every dollar that you're putting in. So, so it's a no brainer to put in the RSP, and anything you have in your RSP is tax deferred. But again. If you're in the first bracket, meaning at 15%, uh, you know, now there's a competition. At that point, TFSA might be a little bit of a better deal. 
Who are we targeting here when we mention that the RSP deadline is tonight? Are we talking about people who might have just been dragging their feet? Are we talking about people who might actually have a couple, you know, some extra money that they've been hanging on to that maybe they would want to put away? Or because, you know, some people might have some money in the bank, but they might say, I can't, you know, that money is set aside for like basic expenses. How am I supposed to take that money and now put it into RSP? Yeah, it's it actually all of them are valid. Everything that you mentioned right now is is a reason for why the government allows for the two extra months. Because remember that the the first sixty days of the year, whatever contributions you make, they count they count for your previous year, which means two thousand twenty one. So it gives everybody that last shot. Uh, to be able to reduce their tax bill, and also allows for tax planning. So the good part about the first two months of the year is uh, you could do like pre- a preliminary return and see if it's worthwhile to contribute to your RSP, if it's going to have a, a profound effect. Uh, but what I would say to everybody is, you know, don't end up uh, scrounging money. You know, it's a real budget buster, uh, you know, in the last, uh, in the, to, to be able to scrounge up the cash in the first two months of the year to contribute. It, create a plan where you're making a monthly contribution. That way, as long as you're sure that you made whatever contribution you want to make, then it fits in your budget. Exactly what you just mentioned now. Uh, you know, if you've got money set aside, well, now set aside that, that you know, your RSP contribution as part of your budget. Jerry, there are some people who would suggest that it makes sense to borrow to purchase or to contribute to an RRSP. Have you got any advice on that front? Uh, the advice I would give there is uh, it's not necessarily a great idea. Um, now, the, yes, I, I understand the logic to it, especially when you got, uh, you know, for example, they got strategies called the top-up loans, right? Where, for you know, because as I mentioned before, if you're in the higher tax brackets, you know, if your marginal tax rate is 40, sometimes even 50%, for every dollar you're putting in, you're getting 50 cents back. So, of course, if you're borrowing to invest in your RSP, you know, half of that loan, for, in my example, is already cash that you're going to get back from your uh, tax return, and then you could use it to reimburse your loan. What I, where I would push back on that is, you know, in, in an ideal world where we're getting consistent returns every single year, you know, that's great. You know, that, that strategy works beautifully on paper. In a year like 2008, or in a year like 2020, when the pandemic hits and, mar- and markets tank, and now you've borrowed money to invest, uh, now, now you have a debt. Uh, on, you have a debt on top of the fact that the investments you just made have basically tanked. So I would say, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, if you have a long-term perspective, maybe it makes sense. But I would say if you can avoid it, uh, do not do not borrow for, to, to contribute to your RSP. Jerry, you know, as we talk to you, and we've had this conversation with Brett and Greg and myself just about the financial literacy of the average Canadian. And, and when, when you're talking, I'm understanding what you're saying, and it all makes sense to me. And then honestly, some of my statements will show up in the mail with different investments, and it feels like I'm reading an entirely different <laughs> language to the point where I go, oh, and then I just shred it because I don't, I, it's, it's, it, it, that's where my brain's at sometimes. And so I'm curious. What are you noticing or seeing for the average Canadian when it comes to their financial literacy, just around the basics, like their savings account, their RSP, and their mortgage? 
Uh, well, what, 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 what they found, actually, I believe there was some statistics that came out recently that people, for example, are using the tax-free savings account as a bank account, practically, uh, because, they, because they, they see the name, you know, savings account, when in actuality, really, a, t- a tax-free savings account, for example, should be used kind of in a similar way to an RSP, where you actually invest for the long term, or maybe a little bit of a shorter term. Let's say you're saving for a car, for example, uh, within the next five years. That's where something like a TFSA makes sense. Uh, y- your point is, is, is valid, is bang on. Unfortunately, I think the real issue is the debt loads. I think the real issue is that a lot of people are not budgeting to save for their RSP. The majority of Canadians have not maxed out their RSP. The majority of Canadians have not maxed out their TFSAs. And unfortunately, there's a good chunk of Canadians that, ha- that are heavily in consumer debt. And I think that's where the financial literacy needs to go. Uh, in, my, in my estimation, you know, if you've got, for example, consumer debt, credit card debt, you know, uh, credit line debt, forget RSPs and TFSAs. They will never give you the kind of return that you'll get by paying off your debts first. And that should really be part of the financial literacy is don't fall into debt as much as possible. And if you are in debt and you've got extra cash, put it there. Forget these investments. There's, never, there's no magical investment that is guaranteed. That does not exist. All right, and while we've got a couple of minutes left here, uh, Canadians have been able to file their taxes electronically since last Monday, and I know you've got some other tips on how to reduce the overall tax burden, like, for example, how to claim deductions for COVID-19 benefits. What kind of benefits are we talking about there? So the big one essentially is the home office expenses deduction, meaning that for those uh, individuals that were required to work from home uh, due to the pandemic, uh, the government offers basically two options, whereas before you could claim home office expenses through, uh, with specific expenses, like, for example, your rent, uh, your heat, your electricity, uh, your, your home internet bill, etc., and you were claiming a percentage of that. Uh, now, the, since 2020, the government has allowed for what they call the temporary flat rate method, which is a new parallel way of claiming your uh, home office expenses. Essentially, it's $2 per workday that you're required to work from home. Okay, that's what they give you as a deduction. So similar concept to the RSP, meaning that you're reducing the income you're being taxed on. Uh, You need to have worked at home for at least four consecutive weeks due to the pandemic in order to be eligible for that deduction. And the government allows up to a $500 maximum deduction, which is basically $2 per day uh, up to 250 days. Uh, So that's really uh, the big one. And and, and the the good news about about the temporary flat rate method is normally your employer has to sign off to say that you were required to work from home. When it comes to the flat rate method, none of this administrative red tape is applicable. Uh, you could simply make the claim. Uh, you claim the number of work days and you claim $2 per day for every work day. So Jerry, that's coming off my taxable income versus a, a tax credit on the, on the taxes that I paid. So what, what's the potential impact there on reducing my taxes? So it's exactly, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's the same impact as an RSP contribution. So basically what it is, is like I said, you know, you take the example of uh, you made X amount of income, you're allowed up to a $500 deduction, okay, uh, for, for, those, uh, for the home office expenses, meaning you're reducing the income that you will pay tax on by $500. So that basically your tax savings would be what is your tax rate multiplied mm-hmm. by the deduction, and that's essentially what you're reducing your tax bill on. And that's the difference between that and a credit, where a credit reduces the tax that you're paying that's already been computed. Can I send you my information right now and you can figure this out for me in the next? What's your, I'll what's do your one sk- better. I'll do one better. I'll send, you, I'll send you guys copies of our program. You file. 
Oh, uh, right. That's the whole point, right? I do it myself kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Easy, very easily done. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm putting on my, my salesman hat here now. Nope, that's but, fair. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but essentially, yeah, you, I can give you guys copies of our program, which, which will take you along the way. We have an interview system that will help you along the way to produce your return. U-Files National Tax Specialist is Jerry Vitaratos joining us live on 680 CJOB. Jerry, thank you for this. Well, thank you for having me. Before we get out of here, we just need to uh, bring this up again. And you know what? Just give me one second. I'm going to call back that audio that we, or some of that audio that we played at 8.45. I'm just going to turn this back on here. All right. We need to get to the good part when they start, like, I'll just be quiet. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's I know, all good. I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean, though, right? This part? Yes. Oh, Canada. It's so, so good. And I think you probably know where I'm going. So they're going to be performing both the Canadian National Anthem and the Ukrainian National Anthem tonight at the uh, Winnipeg Jets game. We got a text that floored all three of us from somebody who just very casually says, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Hoosley Men's Choir sang in my living room at Christmas one year. <laughs> <laughs> we're all like, what? In her living room? <laughs> and how did that come about in the end was the explanation. They, someone knew someone who knew someone? Yeah, I phoned them to explain. My cousin was coming to town and my grandpa's health was failing. And there's an old artistic director of the choir as a family relative and used to carol at our home when oh. we were younger. So I made a donation and they filled the living room and my almost word. broke our windows when they started singing. Oh, <laughs> I didn't read that part. But I was imagining the house must have physically been vibrating with the power of those voices and just the number of individuals in that choir. They just make an incredible, impactful, emotional sound. Oh, my goodness. Anybody going to the game tonight, I'm, I'm very jealous of you for, for that all on its own. And this, uh, the one final thought on this, this listener says, my grandfather who had dementia was singing along to the carols and there was not a dry eye in the room. So fantastic story. It's going to be an amazing spectacle tonight. Uh, we've already had a couple of people say, I'm actually, I love the Jets, yeah. but I'm looking forward to seeing the, <laughs> yeah. the, cor- the choir more than the Jets. So I'm sure that clip is going to be seen far and wide. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.